Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Kat, it is time to get excited about Pokemon for the 50th time in our lives. We are adults and we're still doing this. Yay, I'm so happy. How many generations have we done on Axe of the Blood God at this point? I think our first one was Sun and Moon, right? I think so, yeah. Well, we really got in depth into Sun and Moon because that's, around, that's around the time I did start at like US Gamer, so timing checks out. Yeah, I think we were just coming off Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, so yeah. we're like three generations in. Also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. Um, uh, Venomoth, Poliwag, Nidorina, Golduck, Ivysaur, Grimer, Victordrill, Moltres. Yeah, poker rap time. Let's go, Pokemon. And finally, joining us is our special <laughs> guest who can also probably do the entire poker rap. It's Reb Valentine. Sunflora, Igglybuff, Polyswine, Slugma, Crobat, Poly... Wait, is that the wrong one? Sorry. Wow, that was really impressive. That's uh, very, that was very good. good. Reb and I were singing Pokemon theme songs before <laughs> NVC. It was, and it wasn't the original, the OG. We were singing like the Jota ones too. Yeah, the yeah, Master yeah. Oh, that goes on for a while. Yeah, uh-huh. so yeah, we were <laughs> goes on for a while. So you want to be a master Pokemon? Exactly. Yeah. Do you have mm-hmm. skills to be number one? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, this week we are talking about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. It's now available on the Nintendo Switch. We've been playing it. Reb reviewed it on IGN.com. Eric Van Allen is reviewing it for Destructoid.com. I'm just playing it because it's cool, and I'm already really into it. We'll get into all of the details through this episode. But before we get to that, hey, if you enjoy the podcast, do us a favor. Leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at Seamusi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Reb is at Duck Valentine for as long as Twitter lasts, which is probably not much longer. It could be gone as soon as this episode comes I've out. I've heard it be compared to the story of Hanukkah, where it burned for eight days and eight nights, and it was a miracle, and nobody knows how it's happening. <laughs> so we got to kick out of that. I love that. Amazing. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we have a ton of bonus content. We just released our Pokemon Black and White Pantheon of the Blood God, so you can go listen to us talk about Gen 5. We can really dig in with Merrick Kay and Charles Hart. That was a lot of fun. Oh, our yeah, current Pantheon is Dragon Quest V, and we're doing a monthly yes. game club over on the Discord. Nada, you just did Charlie and Dropouts, our Final Fantasy XIV podcast. Yes, I did with Mike and Victor. Uh, first of all, good news. We have a lot of new Charlene Dropouts content coming, including some of the free stuff is happening Ooh. again, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Victor's taking point on that, but of course, I will be there. The episode that we just recorded was about uh, patch 6.35, which was um, the up- sorry, patch uh, 6.3 and 6.35, which are the upcoming patches and what's coming into it, a whole lot of dungeons, a whole lot of this and that. Mm-hmm. We have a great time, and you should listen to it. Absolutely. Also, we have a Xenoblade Chronicles 3 spoiler cast uh, planned in lieu of a regular episode next week. So you'll still be getting Blood God content. It'll just be slightly different. So excited. Your usual content. It's going to be a lot of fun. And finally, the Avatar Book 3 special is coming up. And Eric, have you hosted your watch party for Sozin's Comet yet? 
No, that'll be over the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday weekend. So if you all want to get in on that, uh, we are currently holding. I'll leave the poll up a little bit longer in the Autumn of the Avatar channel. But we kind of have a few days on like Friday and Saturday that we're looking at uh, hosting that. We'll do a watch along of the Citizens Comet. Nothing official. I'll just throw up the feed and, and we'll have a text chat so that people can, uh, you know, put stuff in there without having to worry about, you know, yanking voice chat up and down. We'll have a good time watching the finale together. And finally, we are joined, as always, by our Stars of Destiny for our weekly live show. If you join the Stars of Destiny tier, you get to hang out with us, get to vibe with us in the pre and the post show, Blood God After Dark, where we really get into some pit content. And this week, we're joined by Beware the Slimes, Drew RWX, Not Hollow, Mango Alts, Nuclear Sandwich, Sardin, Shareable Texas, Shep, Hi Shep, Supermoop, Teeps, and the Black Stones, our arch sorcerer of the blood god drew rwx wants to know what is the patreon tier for ranking pokemon theme songs wow i would do that except that there have been so many of them at this point that i kind of dropped off after like season one of Sinnoh. so (laughs) there's been like multiple generations since then like four so four or five so wow yeah Yeah, a lot of them four the mons not the games cat don't read this get us to 7k <laughs> and i will make us rank every pokemon oh my god there are more than a thousand at this point mm-hmm. we can do that mm-hmm. over a multi-day live stream that get would be insane a thousand higher and we will rank a thousand pokemon it's a dollar 7K. per pokemon it's a deal we will do it we are mad men and mad women in here and mad friends in general I'm 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 imagining you three somewhere in like the 700s, uh, partially drunk, uh, Eric crying. <laughs> I don't know. Cry, Love crying, disc. Crying and I'm laughing Pokemon at the same time. Pokemon 352 is Love Disc. No, I, no, that's what that's way too high. I don't love know. Disc, it's love it's disc, better say than that you Love Disc. Love <laughs> disc used to be useful, uh, but now it's not. Uh, I have something about the scale. Love carried, disc was never useful except for the heart scales. It was That's just annoying. But even the heart scales are useless now. Uh, number one. Fun. Number one has to not be Pikachu. That's my only rule. It can't okay, be Pikachu. Okay, that's fair. I think yeah. number okay. one is still the Pikachu wannabe, the ghost. Do you know? Oh, Mimikyu. Oh, Mimikyu. Oh, I love Mimikyu. That's oh, a top twenty-five so... right there. We named it. That Super is, that one. is a Blue top eyes, tier dragon. Pokemon design. Yeah, <laughs> you I could do. Dragon. I feel like the top like like fifty Pokemon you'd be able to to manage, and then once you got past fifty, it would just become total. But, but that's why chaos. it's a goal. That's why it's uh, admirable. I, I would say. Top 100. We do a top 100 podcast multi-hour and just really go for it, right? Oh, so, so so we basically we cut it down to like what Pokemon we think are in. We we treat it like the top 25. Basically, yeah. we we develop a list and then we we shave down and order that list. Or we could okay. do a top 25 Pokemon and we just all come in with our individual lists and then we pull mm. them together based on that. So it's like, oh, what's chaos. your number 25? Well, my number 25 is insert. It's kind of like a Hoot Nanny from Retronauts, which I just uh, did. I just ooh. did a Metal Gear Solid Hoot Nanny over on Retronauts. Oh, that must have been just. I do like, like the name Hoot the Nanny. It was a lot of fun. I was disagreeing a lot with Shane and uh, and Jeremy and completely skewing the rankings. It was oh, great. Oh, R.I.P. Do a shot every 100 Pokemon. Do a shot every Pokemon. No, that's dangerous. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> We're all going to die of alcohol poisoning. I have health care. I can take it. I don't know about you guys. 25 Pokemon, 25 <laughs> shots. I have health care. I can do this. (laughs) All right. It's time now for what we have been playing our sacrifices to the blood god. 
And I have to say, it's time I deleted Marvel Snap from mm. my phone. Mm. Salute oh, emoji. Oh, is it now? You'll is be it? back. Yeah. Didn't last. <laughs> I was gonna say. You know, I've thought very seriously about downloading it multiple times, but I'm on. Uh, I'm, it's I'm on the point of making bad decisions because of Snap. So maybe I'll at least take a little bit of. A little to I just got Hobgoblin to move and uh, also Vulture and I had a pretty good move deck, but taking a break, got to take a break, um, especially because Pokemon is here. I have been mm, playing Persona mm. 5 Royal though. Hell yeah. On my Steam Deck. I got to say, every time um, I, I was playing on my Steam Deck on the ferry to work and just having a good time and Persona 5 Royal looks and runs great on it. And then I get home and I pick up my my switch to play some Pokemon. And I'm like, oh my god! I, I'm sorry I cheated on you, baby. I missed you, Nintendo <laughs> Switch. It's so it's so light in comparison to the the Steam Deck, and the form factor is so much better. It actually fits in my bag. My I've got a yeah. tote. I've got a, a really nice tote that I got from Morocco that I bring to work, and like my Steam Deck literally doesn't fit in it. It's that big. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Really, it's mm-hmm. crazy. I didn't know it was that big. Yeah, it's humongous. It's because I carry it in the carrying case, and the carrying case is that much bigger. Oh, but still, yeah. Yeah, it's almost I, like I can carrying fit my carrying case with the switch, like in my bag. I'm going to Amsterdam next month, and I would love to bring my Steam Deck, but I think it's just too big, and the battery mm-hmm. life isn't good mm-hmm. enough. So no, I wouldn't bother. Yeah, bring your so switch. I'm gonna, play Pokemon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring the Switch. I'm gonna maybe finish off Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to play Witcher Three on my Switch. Or on my Steam Deck, maybe like play the next gen update, as it were. Um, but I don't know if uh, I don't know if the they'll have cross save between the Xbox and the PC. Right. It's really frustrating me, and there's just no way I'm starting over Witcher Three. No way. It's way too much. So that's fair. That's what I've been playing. Reb, what have you been playing besides Pokemon? Well, in the, before Pokemon, I've been playing nothing but Pokemon. Before Pokemon, I was actually playing like a couple things. And I don't want to talk about all three of them because it takes too long. So I'll give you a choice. Do you want to hear about Harvestella? Yes. Do you want to, do you want to hear about Pentiment? Or do you want to hear I'm, about the Playdate? I'm talking Playdate? about Pentiment. Oh, you're talking about Pentiment? Okay, I'll just yeah. help. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about some more Harvestella here. Okay, yeah, so yeah. so Harvestella, uh, I was playing in the run up to Pokemon, just trying to fill time, uh, and I was really high on it when I started. And the longer I have played it, the less I have liked it. Oh no! Uh, yeah, it's a uh, so it's got. I mean, it's it's got some good points. Um, it's it's basically a a farm. It's Square Enix's attempt to do farming sim, and because it's Square Enix, it's an RPG farming yeah. sim. Uh, it's a very Square like bravely default kind of. RPG, uh, but also with farming elements. So there's this whole thing where there's like these four seas like crystals where we heard about four crystals before, uh, you know, tied to each of the sea- the four seasons and thus the four elements. Uh, and there is, I have not finished this game. There is something wrong with them. Something is, is gone amiss. Uh, the, the seasons are being weird. There's this extra fifth season of death that has been coming yeah. like, mm-hmm. like more and more frequently lately. Quiet. Yeah. Quietus. Uh, and then there's these like dudes in robot suits just kind of yes. running around and everybody's like, those guys are evil. Stay away from them. But no one can really tell you what they do wrong. And when you talk to them, they're, 
they're kind of like, oh, we're just here to take care of the planet. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. It's it's very, the plot's very, it's actually a very intriguing plot. Like I was having it a good time sort of trying to unravel what actually is going on here. I have it's some very theories. Takahashi, I think. It, it has like a yeah. very Xenogears feel to mm. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I really dig that bit. Uh, here are the problems. So once you actually get the thing going, it kind of turns into uh, the days are nice and long. Uh, you get up, you take care of your farm. Uh, maybe you check in town to see if there's any side quests available. And then you start like slowly pushing forward on this plot. You have to visit the four crystals. Uh, the dungeons are really big and they have a lot of checkpoints. So yeah. theoretically, like by the time you're in a dungeon, you basically in one day, you can go from the checkpoint you were last at to the next one and then stop and then go back home. And then you do it's it a good sense again. of progression. Yeah. 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 And that all those parts are really nice. Uh, where, it, where it fails me is I have I feel like I'm only in summer of the first year. I feel like I have already seen basically everything there is to do in farming. Uh, there are exactly two animals, a chicken equivalent and a cow equivalent, and that's it. Uh, and I actually think I, someone with a guide might be able to contradict me on this, but I actually think the chicken might not be economical. I think I actually lose money by owning a chicken. Uh, with a chicken, though, you get the eggs and they drop feathers. And the yeah, feathers- but the feathers are random. You don't know. And the... Like you have to get a certain amount of feathers every day in order to balance out the amount you're spending on feed because the only thing you can use for feed is corn and corn seeds are really expensive. It does not add up. The math does not work. <laughs> I'm uh, cracking up that there is like no, a Square Enix. There, there's a Square Enix developer no, that was like, let's make an wheat, RPG and let's wheat, have fun. <laughs> wheat, grass, and weeds all turn into feed for cows. The only way you can get chicken feed is through corn. It is, can I swear on this podcast? Yes. Sure. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> why can't I? Why can't I turn? Just feed them whatever. Anyway, all that aside, the, anim, <laughs> the animals—they the, are the animal stuff is really thin. Uh, the the farming itself, like I thought, okay, this is fine, but the farming itself is really thin and also not super economical either. Like uh, I was actually informed yesterday that apparently cooking a recipe, selling that recipe, you only get money back for the sum of its parts. Like you don't get extra money for having cooked it, so it's a waste of time. Uh, and, and all like, like, yeah, it's just, it's just not, I don't feel like I'm growing any, growing my farm any, I can make it slightly bigger, uh, but it's not that exciting. There's like a couple places in my farm where I can unlock extra things. I don't know what they are, but it looks just like more farming. Uh, there's, there's like side quests, uh, to build relationships with certain characters. I assume I get to smooch one of them at some point. I don't know. Uh, but the side quests are all very, go here and talk to them. Okay, now go here and talk to this person. Now go here and talk to this person. Uh, and it's just running around and having these like very lengthy conversations about nothing. Uh, it, well, you get it, to the the more you like talk to them, the more you get to know about them. It's very much like Stardew Valley in that in that regard. They're not going to tell you, "Hey, uh, my mother's dead." Like the first time they meet you, probably <laughs> they might wait till the, the fifth conversation to say that. Uh, no, th- I'm kind of I have it in for the hot goth doctor. It's always my weakness, so yeah, it kind of yeah, got me from good. the start. She's really Persona good. Five Royal. Exactly. It's like, oh, Jesus, Lord, help me. I'm back on my bullshit. Seriously, when I dude. saw her in the coffee shop, I was just like, oh, we're, we're going to get to know one another. Her and the journalist. <laughs> there is a dude, Nadia, I swear to God, looks like Howl from Howl's Moving Castle. Like they have just oh. made Howl. Do you know who I'm talking I think about? I saw him. Yes, I mean, yes. You see him at the that. very beginning and then he like goes off. He's in the seaside town, I think. I haven't run yeah. into him yet. I'm almost to him. No, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, obviously, like that's that's a sim game. You you talk to people for a long time. But but it's it talking. The, the conversation feels like very tedious. Like all of the side quests are you you go to this place and you t- like it. 
opens a cutscene, and then you sit there and mash through a bunch of like very shallow dialogue for a long time and then it comes out and then you have to like run over here and then do the same thing and it's like a cutscene every time and it's like just very slow and tedious i don't i'm not like giving them mm. gifts i'm not even really doing tasks for them like if 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 it was something like sometimes Sometimes the doctor lady asks me to go get her some items, but again, it's usually just running to a specific point that's marked on the map and collecting the items from where they're sitting. If it was something Mm. like, hey, um, I would really like it if you grew me some cucumbers or something that Mm. that would maybe feel Mm -hmm. a little more or yeah, yeah, but but it's all just very go here, hit a go here, hit a go here, hit a watch a bunch of loading screens, hit a. Uh, So it's just very, very tedious. And all the the relationship side quests, all the side quests are like that. Uh, So that's just really burnt me out on kind of pushing forward that that bit of it um everything just feels like like too shallow like they hit they could have gone a little bit deeper if they had like spent a little more time or had like a little more exciting of an exciting vision and they just didn't go if they went like one level deeper i think i'd be enjoying it more i think maybe uh see for me i guess i may as well segue into my when i'm playing because i'm playing that on top of pokemon i find it actually a perfect come down game from uh, a a year that gave us elden ring and then Mm. xenoblade chronicles 3 and I love games that make me feel like I'm kind of going back and forth on progression. Like one of my favorite dun- all-time dungeons is the moon in Final Fantasy IV. Because you start off as a weakling. You have no ha- chance against Zero Mist. But by the time you get to the bottom and farm for everything there, like you're like, you know, Mr. Beefy Paladin Cecil. But this game, uh, Harvestella, I know what you're talking about. The, the, something about the economy is kind of effed up. <laughs> Maybe they don't have time to think about numbers because <laughs> they're all living under quietus. But... Uh, I do understand what you mean about the repetition, but I also like the battle system. I find even though it was kind of shallow, the Dragoon is so much fun to play. Like he has those cheesy ass leaping in the air and bashing everything moves. I like taking on the FOE equivalent, the fears, uh, which drop really good items most of the time. I find not all the dialogue is shallow. There's some pretty good side stories that I really liked. Uh, There was one where one of the omens is looking after a kid and the kid's just annoying the shit out of him. And he's like, what do I do with this human child? I thought that was really cute. That's funny, yeah. Uh, I if am. You put a, if you put a dragoon in an RPG, Nadia's in. That's just how oh, it would I mean. Be. I think I, anyone would be in. I disagree with you on the combat, though. Like, I, I'm not. I, it feels so slow and clunky. I feel like, okay, I've hit the button to use my sword. Whack. Oh, no. I see that they're yeah. attacking. I see that yeah. they're attacking. I need to mm-hmm. dodge roll. Oh, no. I'm not done with my attack animation yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I've been yeah, hit. Yeah. Okay. Guess I got to swing my sword to attack again. Oh, it's like, a mess, it, but I love it. It's, it it's, it's feels those bad. Things. It feels bad, and I'm not I'm not a big like sorty slashy game person. Right. Like I like I like nice slow turn based stuff, or or I like games where I can stand in the back and go pew pew pew, uh, which I guess you technically can do, and I do try to do in this one, but it's also slow. And it's uh, but it doesn't feel good. It feels yeah, bad. Yeah, I I do feel like compared to something like Rune Factory Four, like yeah. the combat just doesn't click here, and like it's not like I play Rune Factory Four the combat i play it for the social links and and the farming but like rune factory kind of did all of that better but mm-hmm. also rune factory 5 wasn't good so like yeah, this is good. this is like kind of the best thing we i could definitely play. wouldn't call it know, like a, it? a nine or a ten or an eight i would definitely give it a seven or a four uh but that's fine. I'm glad that games Some like that range. still exist. A seven or a four? What is, I'll give it sorry, a, no, a seven, seven maybe a four, a four a or a one. Oh. I like to go with <laughs> Sorry, that was confusing. Very different scores. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's I like, like five. the fact that there are B-tier games that are getting yeah, a little bit of air. Yeah. Uh, right. The yeah. thing that worries me, though, is Square Enix charging full price for it. I would say wait for a sale. 
Oh, yeah, this game I is going to drop so hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to oh, be yeah. like And maybe when it bucks. does, maybe people will realize, like, hey, this is actually a pretty cool game. I hope Square makes another one like it and proves the problems it has. Because I would, <laughs> I do like this world very, very much. Yes, I, I agree. think it should endure. Yeah. No, I super agree. It's 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 aggressively. It's like it's like good to find. I think if if a thing if you're like very excited about the idea of a farming sim RPG, then like go play this. Like it's it's the thing. It's the thing you're asking for. It's just you know, it's not. It's not going to blow you away. It's not spectacular. Yeah, know, exactly. But be, it's, it's a good, like I said, cool. great come down game. Be cool. <laughs> Eric, what are you playing? Uh, so I have been playing Tactics Ogre Reborn. We'll probably have an episode devoted to that at some point. So I'll leave a lot of that for that. Um, I will just say that I've been enjoying it while also having an interesting time looking at the evolution of tactics that has happened in the time since the original tactics ogre to now. And I will leave it at that. But (laughs) um, the one that I have like really been enjoying and that I want to shout out this week is Pentiment by Obsidian, a small team. I I reviewed that that for Destructoid. It is easily one of the best things I played this year. It is so, so cool. Um, If y'all are not familiar Pentiment is a passion project from Josh Sawyer of Fallout New Vegas fame uh, and Hannah Kennedy and some of the other folks over at Obsidian. Very small team worked on this. And uh, over on Waypoint Radio, they were interviewing Sawyer and talking about it. And he basically pitched this as a neat project that's kind of like Night in the Woods meets Name of the Rose, if you know that movie. Uh, and the idea is that it's they knew they were. Yeah. Yeah, book, book and, first and, book is better, and also also a movie. <laughs> Look, I just mm, <laughs> there's something no, about I'm, the movie. No, I'm just being an asshole. Continue. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, I just enjoy the movie. <laughs> it's, um, but it's uh, it, it was basically pitched as you know they knew that they were getting picked up by Microsoft and Game Pass made something like this possible, which is a 20 hour largely dialogue adventure focused game with light role-playing elements. I say light because I do, I even myself made the comparison to disco Elysium uh, in my review, but I did that more so for the vibes, which I will get to in a moment rather than the actual gameplay. There's not a lot of dice rolling or anything going on. It's more like make choices and see how those choices pan out. And this game is very much about choice because it's set in the turn of the 16th century in Bavaria in a town called Tassing where there are kind of the peasants and the middle class of like the townsfolk, the blacksmith, the printer, stuff like that. And then an Abbey, uh, Kearsaw Abbey up the road. And you are kind of watching in real time as the, uh, idea of abbeys and, uh, that sort of like social structure changes. You, you see, peasant uprisings start to take place you see the the effect of the church in modern day life and not only is this a really cool setting uh that you don't see a lot in games i feel like this era is not always explored and when it's explored it's kind of done so in a very like isn't it cool how we all used to stab each other in this era sort of way (laughs) (laughs) and and not like you know what was it like to live in this era. Yes, Robo Riley, Catholic trauma. Let me tell you how fascinating this game was as somebody who, who had a very significant uh, Christian upbringing. Oh, hell yeah. Um, oh, boy. It's good stuff. Like right away, right at the beginning of the game. Uh, they're immediately like, 
you're walking to the Abbey. You were playing Andreas Mahler, who's this journeyman artist who is kind of taking up residency at the Abbey. It's one of the last scriptoriums in the area uh, because script is going out of the way. Because guess what's coming around? The printing press. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it'll never if, catch if on. Any of this is like <laughs> sparking you, and you're going like, oh man, this is really. I'm telling you, this game is just full of little nuggets where you were like, this is so steeped in in history and oh and God. stuff and so loving and you get to talk to this baron and you're walking to the abbey and he's like you know i heard this martin luther fella's got some really interesting <laughs> ideas and and you have to kind of think about how you're going to play this because you are taking residency at this abbey you know that the father there is not going to be wild about you being like yeah martin luther he's sick dude <laughs> like but yeah, dude. you want this you want this Baron to think that you're cool too, right? So like, how do you play this? How do you work this out? Maybe your background is going to help you out because you can choose your background and have studied in things like occultism or medicine. My That was what I like focused in was medicine and occultism. But you could have also studied theology. You could have studied literature. You could have done all this stuff. And uh, what results is, I think... One of the most interesting games I've played that feels like it is so grounded in a place and a place that evolves over time. It has such a I talked, I believe, in a post show about this, that like so many RPGs love to take the aesthetic of something. They go like, "Ooh, look, this this desert, we're making a desert area and people in deserts in the real world build these kinds of buildings. Let's put those buildings there. But they don't think about what that meant for the people there and why the people built those and what did it mean for the people that they built those pentiment loves that pentiment wants that history pentiment wants that idea of like what is it what does faith mean to a person in this era because they're living the most shithole life you ever lived all right there's a reason why the idea of a transitory existence on earth is appealing to the peasants <laughs> because it means that they will get something better when they die <laughs> because their existence then is pretty bad um i love this game it's so good and that's not even getting into like the character writing which is just incredible um some really great moments one of my favorite moments early on if you play it make sure you go talk to uh sister illuminata there is a like book hunt that she puts you on to go find books for the library that then delves into stuff like the aeneid and all that and if you ever wanted to read a really good virtual dissection of the aeneid <laughs> in in a video game i can't say i do here. but it does it does sound intriguing it kind of sounds like night in the woods which i adore yes, so i'll yes. give this a try for it sure. is very night in the it's woods a, like it's a cool idea josh Shoyer said that there was no way he would ever make this game mm -hmm. without Game Pass. Exactly. It's kind of cool. Uh, game Pass itself, like we could have a whole conversation about its long-term viability and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's uh, I do love that it enables these smaller games that would never have gotten oxygen otherwise. Um, Reb did a an interview with uh, Jay's uh, with Josh Sawyer for uh, IGN talking about its literary influences and everything. I was very happy to uh, green light that interview. It was, it was a lot of fun. And honestly, this game, I, I love history. I love medieval history. So uh -huh. it really does seem kind of up my alley, uh, up my street, as I, I suppose you could say. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I beat this game. This is the only game that I ever had any energy to play when I had COVID a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, the Dayquil brought me up enough to be able to hit some buttons. <laughs> uh, uh, buttons and like on, yeah, I, I finished it and it's it, 
It is absolutely incredible. Uh, you really, you do kind of have to be at least a little bit into the product they're selling. Like if none of, if none of the, the Catholicism, the Latin, the history, the, the like traditions clashing, the, any of that uh, appeals to you, then, you know, just skip it. It's fine. Uh, but if any of that like tickles you at all, like you will fall in love with this. I also, I, I want to. The Catholicism of it all. <laughs> Yeah, really. I mean, I, I grew it's, up Catholic, so it's just very the the ch- God, Eric, the dude who you talk to in the church, and he does the chant for you. Oh, wait, which which part was this? The singing, the singing. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my oh, God. That like that like, hit me. I sat me. there and just I was like crying. Was like, yeah, yeah. Because because when it happens and you're just like oh. Oh, also like brother Matthew, shout out to a short king if I've yeah. ever seen one. Like like that dude, that dude rules. Yeah. Kenneth Shepherd is in this chat right now and and Ken, you will love brother Matthew. <laughs> the one time I was in a church, my dad said the incense smelled like bad weed and he said it too loudly. Ah! <laughs> As a Jew, uh, this would be fun to this would be a lot of fun to play cuz I'm always interested in Catholicism and the differences in the sa- in the 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 uh, well, sameties for lack of a better term i suppose there's a i don't want to i don't want to spoil it but there there is a plot i i believe with a couple of jewish characters who show up and yes there's sort of yes. a conversation about like like how those traditions are the same and different and like where you know where do we find a meeting ground in those mm-hmm. and i and i can't speak to it but it seemed like it was pretty thoughtfully done it, it was i knew good. a a woman who was mexican and jewish so uh she w- had a friend who died and she was catholic of course and so she goes to the funeral she comes back and says why are Catholics so like, like sad? Why are they so scared? It's like, why are they so grim? All they did was talk about how we die and and death and death mm-hmm. and die. So that was a, I guess, a little I, opening for her. I, I do really... want to. Oh, you go. I I just wanted to say like I want to emphasize. I know we're talking a lot about Catholicism because that is like a major part of this, but. It's not just Catholicism, the religion, as you might know it today, but it's Catholicism, the structure, Catholicism, the entity that managed life and the idea that church was, in essence, a government to these people, was was a ruling force to these people. Um, And then also what happens when that begins to fracture. Uh, You see a lot of the repercussions of what happens when suddenly the, the church that's all like just do your job and and farm down there and we will provide it's it's like very interested in in those ideas and what happens when suddenly the church who's your best friend and is telling you all about salvation is also like hey you can't you can't go in the forest anymore without our permission they're and you're uh, like i could go in the forest yesterday and you didn't have a problem like yeah but now you need our permission to do it <laughs> yeah yeah the other side of my family is catholic like i've told said before my mom's a convert so i do have some familiarity with catholicism one of my favorite books of all time is angel's ashes by frank mccourt because it's all about the the the, the uh, irish like poor dealing with the church mm-hmm. and what they did mm-hmm. to them and among other things but yeah so i think it'll be my jam I'm going for it. Yeah. I did want to sort of, inter- like, Eric brought up Disco Elysium earlier, and I, I I know Josh Sawyer has publicly, like, sort of shied away from the comparison to Disco yeah, Elysium because yeah. he doesn't want people thinking, like, it, Disco Elysium set a pretty high bar. Also, believe, Disco Elysium is but, a little toxic at the moment. Oh, well, well that too. Okay, there's, but, but it's also not an RPG in that sense. Yeah. That's true. Y- right. You go but right. Yeah. The thing I wanted to get at is I, I found the Disco Elysium comparison apt in the sense that I my Andreas Mahler 
was a well-meaning fuck up. Like yes. he was such, yes. he's like just the, the way the system does these sort of checks, it doesn't do dice rolls necessarily, but you'll get to sort of a, a, a decision point where you are either trying to persuade someone of something or trying to get something to happen. And it'll sort of count like, okay, you get, you get points for having told them this thing earlier, but you lose points because you have a skill that is bad or, or something like that. It basically like weighs, do you have the, have you, have you done all the decisions? Have you made all the things that would enable you to actually do this thing you're trying to do? Uh, and I tried really hard to play like a decent person. Like I tried to be nice to people. I tried to be thoughtful and like listen to everybody and like sort of hear them out, but also like introduce a dose of reality. Like, hey, no, if you do that, the church is probably going to come and take your house. Uh, all, all these things like that. And that just, I just failed everything. I failed every, like almost every check. I think it's mm-hmm, succeeded mm-hmm. like on two things ever in the entire game, but it was great. Like the mm-hmm. storytelling adapted to that and it worked really well. And by the end of the game, like it, it's sort of this, cause it takes place over a very, fairly long period of time. Um, and so there's many, many things that have happened in this space. And I have well-meaning fucked up the lives of these people who I do not, like, I'm, I'm a traveling person. Like, like Andreas does not live in Tassing. Uh, I, I fucked up these people's lives in so many ways by trying to speak for them on so many occasions and failing over and over. But there were a lot of characters who were kind of pointing out, hey, like, I don't know about that guy. Uh, and, yeah. and it was really good. It was really well done because like, like you're sort of put in this impossible situation and there's characters who acknowledge that you have done your best, but also like, hey, there's it, it talks about like privilege and power and 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 how how we make decisions and it it does a really good job of letting you you role play as a guy who just cannot get anything right mm-hmm. and honestly <laughs> relatable uh yeah the fair. other the other disco elysium aspect i will say is that like and why i compared it to disco elysium is not just because i should mention at the heart of all this is a murder mystery like that is kind mm-hmm. of the like thrust of the game is it's not just about like hey do you want to talk about the catholic church for 20 hours uh it's <laughs> it's also like yeah, it's a someone gets murdered and andreas for story reasons is compelled to try and discover who did it and you get wrapped up in the intrigue of the town turns out that a small town can hide a lot of secrets and stuff like that so also yes it it will appeal to you murder mystery heads those of you who liked true colors and things like that i think will find similarity and in the same way again to disco elysium to true colors tonight in the woods it has that sense of a town that has lived was living before you got there will continue living after you got there and one thing i think pentiment does really well is that it shows how that evolves over time how your choices and the things that happen in the town affect the future and what the future means for people who live here because again people die a lot in this era and people die young people die sad like it is a sad time to be alive there's a reason why catholicism was very appealing to the peasantry uh and it's it's really cool and how it grapples with all that like i i've loved this year that we've had i know i've said it's the year of tactics but i'm going to quote again waypoints uh renata saying that It is also a year of incredible narratives and games, like finding ways to tell really incredible stories this year in games through Norco, through Citizen Sleeper, and now through Pentiment. We've had some really cool stories in games. Immortality. Immortality. Oh, my God. We need to talk more about immortality at the end of the year. Wow. It's been an incredible year for game narrative. Maybe that's why Mm -hmm. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Nadia, what have you been playing aside from Harvestella and Pokemon? 
Uh, I did finish the uh, beast quest, or the, rather the tribe quest in Final Fantasy XIV for Gathering, which was very cute because it was all a very big Douglas Adams reference. And uh, that's all I can really say without spoiling everything. But I will say it has just a very, very touching, funny message about finding hope in uh, a, a, a very bad place, which I think we can all relate to right now. It's also the the basic gist of it is you're building a coffee shop in literally the end of the universe. And as you kind of grow up this coffee shop, like it, it gets warmer, it gets nicer, it gets like more brightly lit and people gather to it. And it kind of brings to mind wintertime around here when it gets dark at like five o'clock and everyone just kind of goes to the coffee shops and hangs out for a while. It, it has that sort of feel to it. It's just, it was a really, really nicely told and fun and I said funny story for what was basically just a series of side quests. So hooray for that. Hooray indeed. Okay, it's time now for a series of random encounters. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y dot com Yuji Naka was reportedly arrested in the Square Enix insider trading scandal leading to an avalanche of memes over that one (laughs) yeah I like the one where he's jumping out of the plane and like and doing. Yeah, city Yuji Naka has escaped arrest and is skating <laughs> down me. Main Street on. <laughs> they sent a fleet of semi trucks to try and stop him. <laughs> burp, burp. Oh God! There was a family in that that car you flattened. We gotta get Yuji Naka. He's my, a mad my favorite. I believe it was Alex Donaldson who tweeted that Yuji Naka being arrested for insider trading instead of Balan Wonderworld is kind of like Al Capone getting arrested for tax evasion. <laughs> unbelievable blizzard is shutting down services of wow overwatch and other games uh diablo uh, diablo 3 in china over the dissolution of its relationship with netease netease blamed one jerk for ruining it anyone putting five dollars on who it is i honestly have absolutely no idea i'm not gonna say anything Game Awards (laughs) nominees are out and just like every year people are mad but hey xenoblade chronicles 3 Yes, the Blood God's favorite RPG did get a Game of the Year nod. It's not going to win. Heck yeah, squashed so bad by Kratos's ass. I believe descending from the clouds like meteor, but they tried. This is they're going to split the vote. Elden Ring and Ragnarok will split the vote, and that's where Xenoblade comes in. Oh, is that how it's going to be? That's how it works. This is the year. (laughs) Crazy. Phil Spencer talked about shelving a Keystone streaming stick, saying that it couldn't hit the right price delta. And finally, the Witcher 3 updates for PS5 and Xbox Series XS consoles arrive on December 14th. That'll be when I'm in Amsterdam. Cat, 
is ecstatic. It's true. I am. I'm finally going to play the Blood I, and Wine uh, expansion. I'm finally going to play uh, Witcher. Yeah. Yeah. Witcher time. But our main topic this week is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. It's here. It has a lot of tech problems. It's big and it's ambitious. Reb, you reviewed it. Talk us through your review. Oh boy. So I to be clear, I did a review in progress. So I've not scored it yet. And the review in progress is pretty like surface level because we were also under a wildly strict embargo that uh, didn't course. let me talk about a Pokemon that appears in the first area of the game. Are we like, allowed to talk about Lechonk now? Yeah, we well yeah, Lechonk was not the Pokemon. It's the little spider dude. The spider guy. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh Tar- so Tarantola. Yeah. yeah so the, the embargo was you can only talk about if if a Pokemon has been like in a previous game and is returning in this game, you can talk about it. And you can talk about new Pokemon if they've already been officially revealed. So I was like recording footage for my like, you know, just for the review of the beginning of the game, and I walk around the corner and I see that freaking spider, and I'm like, well, great, all this footage is useless now because the spider oh, no. is here. <laughs> Stupid uh, spider, you ruined my day. Yeah. But anyway, it's like very surface level. So my the the like as as Kat put it the other day, the Dawn fan in the room is that this game runs like shit. Uh, it is so it <laughs> runs Dawn so fan, very bad. Good. And mm-hmm. it is it is everything from like like and I, I've seen I've seen people online talking about a spectrum of different issues. People are people are having varied experiences. Some people are yes. only getting like little frame rate drops and are saying, oh, it's actually not that bad. And if that's you, power to you. My experience with like 40 plus hours of this game now, I think, at this point, is that the f- frame rate all over the place, just just nuts. Super low res textures in like very weird, random, and distracting places. I uh, uh, clipping, lots of like weird oh, like models so much clipping. Through things. So much clipping yeah. uh, I did an entire gym battle with my Pokemon stuck halfway through the floor, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. which was not good. <laughs> Challenging himself uh, like a Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah, I can do all- this. It was also like the the gym leader's final Pokemon. So I sent this guy out and I was like, all right, we're going to Terra Evolve. We're going to do a real big epic thing. And then just a little head peeking out of the floor. And I'm like, great. <laughs> oh, glad, glad we're here. I'll <laughs> uh, never expect this. <laughs> real whitey, real wild and distracting lighting issues where like yeah, you'll be, you'll be standing in a space and the shadows will just like flicker on and off or will like flash or will do weird things. Uh, I had shadows doing real wild things and cut scenes that were just extremely distracting. Uh, horrible pop in even from like very close up um, mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. I have some clips up on IGN of like running around sort of the entrance hall of the school where char- the game can't decide if a character needs to be loaded in or not so they're just like flashing wildly over in the corner like yeah. a weird ghost yeah. <laughs> like PlayStation uh, days uh, lag as all these things pop in and out uh, you'll be running along and suddenly you'll just be going especially if there's like water or rain or sparkle effects on screen for whatever reason there's a couple areas of the game that are ass for this uh so so all of these things and now combined i've actually been i played online last night too and now we've got issues online too of course this Mm -hmm. was not part of the Mm -hmm. review period uh my friend cam turned into a big noodle boy last night yeah the noodle boy thing is crazy it's very very good that's a feature not a bug it needs to stay i agree Uh, free noodle boy Cam, Cam specifically was having a hard time because uh, the other thing is that so I was playing with three people. I was playing with our friends Cam and Hana, um, and Cam. Whenever Cam, Cam could see himself, but whenever Cam got on his bike Pokemon, he vanished for Hana and I. So we couldn't find him. So in order for us to travel together, we all had to travel on foot. We couldn't use our bikes because if Cam got on his bike, he just disappeared. Uh, so <laughs> Pokemon all- journey go. 
little things too. Like there was there was a weird bug that we found where like like Cam and Hana were doing something in a gym like over there, and I was in I was in the next town for a while doing something. And while I was walking into buildings in the next town, and I just saw Cam like stand like sit kneeling in the doorway of every building I went into, going like like this with like his arms up into the side, <laughs> just just really weird. Doing the YMCA or this fusion dance. It's the fusion dance. He was yeah. waiting for I'm the waiting link for the other side. Oh, Come yeah. on, don't leave me hanging, bro. Boo's gonna kill us all. <laughs> I never experienced anything game breaking. Uh, we did have two guys riders who experienced h- separate hard crashes. Uh, Oof, so, ouch. so there are game breaking things in here. Uh, and like, look, I again, nothing I experienced was game breaking, but it's really distracting. It is it's, distracting, and for I'm sure. gonna get to all the wonderful. Th- I think we should talk about all the wonderful things this game does too. But I just want to like, like. Every single wonderful thing that we are going to talk about has a big asterisk next to it because mm-hmm. all of this is happening mm-hmm. while it's going on. Like literally constantly, there is, I, I think actually weirdly, the only thing that runs very like pretty well in this game are the the raid battles. The raid battles actually run fine. Hmm, uh, interesting. They, they look nice. They take place in like a separate instance, I think, which might yeah, be the yeah. reason why. And they look They're very a nice. Room. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like a little mis- mystery room somewhere. So those run mm-hmm. well, but everything else is, is just ass. And like, you, even I think I, I feel like I, I've talked to because so, a, a lot of Pokemon fans are very much the kind of people who can put this stuff aside, and I I think that's fine. I think I I think you should actually totally be able to put little things like frame rate and you know visual fidelity or whatever aside and enjoy a game you really like. It is really hard to do that. Uh, Forty hours in, it's just like like eventually it's going to get you. Eventually you're going to yeah, you're going to hit sure. a point where you're like, ah, uh, this is this is kind of distracting and annoying, and I wish this were better. Yeah, uh, and I don't know what sure. that point is going to be for any individual, but I feel fairly confident most people are going to hit. Boy, it. Like, I really hope they put out a major patch for this one because it sure seems like a lot of this is due to the fact that they were rushing to get it out. Yeah. As usual, it's Pokemon. You do, you can't mm-hmm. delay a Pokemon game. It was the case with Sword and Shield as well. And they had a lot of big ideas for this one. And I don't think it really forgives uh, launching kind of broken if you uh, yeah. put out a patch later. But I really hope that Game Freak does well, good by its fans and releases sure. a patch because Scarlet and Violet's blowing up. Like This is an immense, immense Pokemon. Maybe the biggest... <laughs> In quite some time, everybody's like seeing their traffic just go completely off the charts. The excitement is real for this one, but good lord, uh, I really think that uh, they need to support this game. They need to support the community in a way that's they a lot do. better. They yeah. uh, they are kind of on the precipice here because I think, to a certain extent, yes, these these are inexcusable glitches, but people also sympathize with Game Freak a bit. Mm-hmm over the Pokemon company because they know that they are being like shoved, like do this faster, faster. And they have a small team. And yes, all the money in the world isn't going to help them. Do they have a small team? I don't know how big their team is. I've heard they have a small team. They do. It's it's like, I, I don't remember the number. I think I think last time I looked, it was only like 80, 100 people. It was not it's a large not big studio. For, for a triple, doing. what is a humongous franchise. It is very, very small. And, but if they start patching this game and are open and transparent about, hey, you know, this didn't launch the way you wanted to, we're going to support this game, hopefully get the best of the fixes in by Christmas if they're lucky, and they stick to it, you can absolutely restore uh, the people's faith in, in your product and yourself. But if they just kind of ditch it and do whatever Game Freak says and do this next, they're going to have a problem with uh, PR and stuff like that. 
Wikipedia, which I can't find, I, there's not a source on Wiki for this, so it could just be bullshit. Uh, but Wikipedia has them at 169 people. That's not a huge I, I studio. Feel, I feel like a ballpark of like under 200 is probably I a safe bet, given accurate, the info yeah. that's out there. Which at at which point you start to wonder because okay, Nintendo on the Switch has traditionally been pulling in outside companies to help it with Switch development or inside right. companies like Monolith Soft or outside companies like Koei Tecmo and Bandai Namco. So Game Freak is not doing this for some reason. And granted, like... Are, are they not? M- are, do we money? know that they're not for sure? Because they're... Look at the the chart of different companies that are around the Pokemon. Um, Cerebee has posted them in the past. There are a lot of support studios um, that are around Pokemon. I don't think that you can say that Game Freak is going alone on this one. Yeah, but here's, fair, here's but... the thing. I think I think what's happening, like, really all we can do is speculate, right? Like, the common right. narrative is that, oh, they don't have enough time, they don't have enough time, because that's, like, what we can observe, right? Like, what we're observing yeah. is they're basically roughly churning out a full-size AAA game once a year. Uh, we don't really know what their internal structure is. We don't know who is making these decisions or what's going on. But I... Like the best guess that we can come up with is that there's a failure of leadership somewhere because there's yes. clearly really talented people. And I want to talk about all the wonderful positive things about Scarlet and Violet because design wise, these are like genius. Like these are great. I think we I think they've really like just hit it out of the ballpark with some of these design decisions as to what a a next gen like new Pokemon game looks like. So there's they're like very clever, talented people there working right, um, for and sure. who, who are for the most part, you know, like like game developers don't want to release a buggy broken game. Like no, why would they want to yeah. do that? But I somewhere in leadership there is something not working. I don't know if that is leadership at Game Freak. I don't know if that's the Pokemon company, which is composed of Game Freak creatures and Nintendo, or if if there's like 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 what? But somebody somewhere or some group of people somewhere are failing a bunch of developers. Yeah. And it is it's agony. And I just like I just want to like shake them and be like, give them another year. The anime will survive. Do it really will. Do on. a filler arc like everybody else. Do an alternate universe thing. Hunter Come Hunter on. has been going for years, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's um fine. Do a uh, do a whole thing about growing up red and growing up blue doing their honeymoon in Alola. I don't know. Uh, have I, have I pitched you all on my my genius theory for how uh how Pokemon games should work yet? Mm. On this no. podcast. Hit me with it. Okay, so here's my theory. So what we need is three teams. And lo and behold, we have three teams. We have Game Freak. Uh, we have Ilka, who did Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. And mm-hmm. we have uh, the wonderful folks at Bandai Namco who do tons of different spinoffs all the time, like mm-hmm. Pokemon Snap, uh, Pokemon mm-hmm. Tournament, things like that. So uh, so this year we got uh, Scarlet Violet. Great, lovely. Game Freak made that. Uh, they did a great job. Next year, let's plan to have Ilka do... Or actually, no, we're... I don't know what we're doing. I guess we're due for Bandai Namco. So Bandai Namco would be up next. Uh, contract with them. Have them do a big spinoff game. Oh, you're going to you're gonna Call of Duty this. I'm going to Call of Duty this. Just like, okay, like put, okay. a, put a lot of oomph behind it. Have them do a big spinoff of some kind. Have them do like a Pokemon Coliseum kind of thing. A Pokemon Snap. A, cool. Poke, a Pokemon Tournament. Like just some some spinoff that is not in the traditional RPG genre, uh, but is interesting and you can put weight behind. That's your release for next year. Uh, maybe Game Freak can like throw in a little bit of like DLC here and there if they want, but they're... They're working on the next game. They're busy. Year year after Bandai Namco, Ilka does another remake. Black and white. Let's remake those. Sounds great. Have them do that. Uh, release that. And then the following year, it's Game Freak's turn again for the next gen. That's my that's my pitch. We should just do yeah. that. Yeah. So so to Kat's point earlier, you are right. We we don't know for sure like who all has worked on it. But in cases like Fire Emblem Three Houses and stuff like that, they were out there saying like, "Hey, we are getting help 
on this game and i just did a quick search i haven't been able to find them talking about any other studios that are working on this outside game freak and i do think to reb's point that is interesting because like this is they they feel very secluded they feel very sequestered off from the mothership in a way and i would love to see them taking an approach like that taking time because again yeah important note on all this Arceus came out this year we just had Arceus and let me tell you as someone who loved the heck out of Arceus the comparison is not favorable for Scarlet and Violet because I think talking about dude I I love Arceus Arceus I like Arceus but it looks like a beta compared to this game this no. game is so much more detailed. No, 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 no. Yeah, there's Look, so much. It's so much deeper. It's so Arceus much denser. never clipped me through things. Arceus never had yeah, issues yeah. of. That's like, because like, yeah, did, this game is have... way more ambitious than Pokemon Legends Arceus. Arceus was built around a problem. singular concept. <laughs> throw some po- throw balls at Pokemon. There's way more to this game. Arceus, but, Arceus mm. put a lot of effort into a really strong design core. Uh, it did mm-hmm, not really mm-hmm. have online, and it did not really need to do a whole lot of technical mm-hmm, fanciness mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it left the world very barren. Like that mm-hmm, is the thing yeah. that mm-hmm. suffered uh, was was the world building and all of the things aside from just the core system of catching Pokemon. In Scarlet and Violet, it's a similar problem where the core design is different but still really good. But in this case, the thing that suffered was technical. I do think like like visually, it's not up to a lot of other standards, but it's still within line for Pokemon game. That's not the issue. The thing that suffered was like the technical capabilities so yeah like there's yeah. a little bit of hurt on in both like departments for both games but i think the thing that suffered most in both cases was so it's really one of those you don't know whether to shit or go blind situation to get to have like the uh the detail what and can the building can you say that again what you don't know whether <laughs> Never, what? didn't your mother ever say that to you sometimes no. you don't know whether you're you, you don't know whether to shit or go blind. Is it, maybe it's an Irish thing. I have never <laughs> what does that mean i've never had that choice in my life it's just <laughs> Rock and a hard place. It's a the pits. Wide... It's the pits you can't see that always surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> the surprise amazing. pits that are happening here in this Pokemon conversation. Uh, Look, I'm admittedly that, not that and, far and do that. I'm that not, admittedly me. not that far into Scarlet and Violet, but it's really grabbed my attention in a way that a Pokemon game hasn't done in uh, quite a while. I, I like how much faster it gets started. Yeah. And uh, a lot of these other games, like it actually gets you your dang Pokeballs a lot more quickly, gets you your starter quickly. I love uh, when you, they're all following you as you're walking to the school mm-hmm. yeah. for the yeah. first time. I, I I love the music. The music is music's terrific. Great. It's Toby Fox. Right? <gasps> music Toby is Fox, fantastic. Toby Fox. The music is honestly a standout. I'm so glad yeah. he's on the team. Yeah, it looks so- great tell that like you can't i don't know how much influence he had over the soundtrack but i feel instinctively like it was a lot because toby fox loves motif uh and i i cannot remember a pokemon game that used its own unique main theme so well weaving it through all of the Mm -hmm. different things like oh it's so good i'm humming i every time we talk about it i just start hearing it in my head and it's so catchy i yeah i was playing i think i was writing a guide yesterday and i had the team star i was in the middle of a team star battle and i just had that theme playing the whole time and i was like oh this is so good this is such a good battle theme like great like pokemon doesn't have bad music like to be clear pokemon has great music but reb is absolutely on the money about like motifs and ideas and just like building this body of work in a way that is really really special i find that also uh Toby Fox's influence is really, really steeped into Japanese composers. Like really you play Endwalker and oh, yeah. all the Megalovania. music is Undertale. Yeah. 
it's just like Sokin went full Toby Fox on that mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. soundtrack. So the, yeah, the I'm, house, the home theme is New Barktown motifs. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So to to my point about Arceus, I do think that there is a like significant difference in what I want out of a Pokemon game at this point versus what like you cat may want out of a Pokemon game. Um, what do you want because, out of a Pokemon game? Well, so a lot of what I liked about Arceus is how it streamlined processes. Like when I was starting Scarlet Violet, I was like, Oh, right. Pokemon still know tackle and growl and moves <laughs> that I know I'm going to get rid of in like yeah. five hours. Whereas Arceus didn't have that like you caught a pokemon and it just had good moves right away and you didn't have to like mess around with that stuff too much it felt and and and, like was it a condensed smaller process yes did i also like it a lot because it was so focused on it didn't have to worry about pvp it didn't have to worry about online it didn't have to worry about balancing for any sort of players ever fighting each other so it got to make just a really good single player rpg where you could kind of do some interesting stuff with the combat you could have situations where you just throw a pokemon out it gets one shot and you're like well dang on to the next and that is I I really liked that about Arceus and it felt very fresh to me. Um, but specifically the comparison point between Arceus and this that I think is hurting it is hurting Scarlet Violet for me is that I I just felt like it was doing what it was doing with a little bit more purpose. Like it had an idea of what it was trying to do. It was saying like, I want to create these monster hunter like situations where you're going in to catch a Pokemon, to get a thing, to go do these quests and and come back and go on these excursions. Whereas I, I do like the ambition of Scarlet Violet to go full open world and have these three storylines that we haven't talked about yet, but you have like the champion's path, the kind of monster hunter-ish like fight against giant Titan Pokemon uh, storyline, which is the one that I've been doing so far. And I like that a lot, actually. Um, and the team star battles. And, and to do this big open world in a way that Pokemon's never done, it's ambitious, but it also feels less focused. And to me personally, I like the focus of Arceus. I like how Arceus had like one idea and went really hard for it. You know, I respect your opinion, uh, Eric. And I think that a lot of people will probably be on your side. I really enjoyed Arceus, actually. Um, at the end of the day, it's definitely going to be in my top 10 of the year, but when I think back on Arceus, so much of it felt hollow to me. I'm reminded mm-hmm. that I actually really hated catching, just having to go out and catch Pokemon after Pokemon after Pokemon. It became like kind of That's a fair. hollow yeah. grind to me. And uh, the evolution process, didn't really care for that. Didn't really feel like the Pokemon were really mine in a weird way, even though mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I didn't like the way that the the moves or the battle system were handled actually that the, the battle system felt quite flimsy to me in the way that it handled the the power versus the speed um mm, right, I, right i didn't like the i would kill a pokemon and then like another pokemon would come out and just immediately murder the pokemon that i had uh going it made the the final boss battle the final final boss battle feel like a pain and I, I was gonna like have to grind a whole bunch but what yeah, are you gonna do to yeah. grind you're gonna go to a bunch of empty tunnels you know, the there's right. not a lot to discover in this game at the end of the day. So when I go into Legends Ar- Arceus, like 
the world is just instantaneously much more appealing to me. Um, the, the, yeah, it doesn't look amazing. Uh, so many glitches, so much slowdown, but from an art design perspective, way mm-hmm. better than Arceus. Arceus is so flat and two-dimensional by comparison. Right, yeah. yeah, so... It is interesting. I do find it's an interesting place. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the, like vibe they went for like very inspired by the iberian peninsula like a lot of spain in there portugal that sort of stuff like i do love the vibes of paldea a lot um it really does work and and to your point like when i got to the end game of arceus i hit the same wall with that final boss where i was like well i had to go catch an entirely new team and that's what i did like i didn't use my squad or whatever to win i just had to go catch new pokemon that were more powerful and that does speak to the difference between this stuff and that I, I agree. I did not feel a significant attachment to my RC squad the way that I might a Pokemon mainline squad. It really annoyed um, me that I put my favorite Pokemon, my Infernape that I hatched back in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, mm. into Legends Arceus. And I felt like even though it was max level, it felt underpowered for mm. some reason. Mm. I'm like, what the heck is going on? with this game it felt really arbitrary in terms of the actual battle and in in terms of the actual battle system Mm -hmm. i hope that it it felt like a pre-alpha or a tech demo like that they were just kind of workshopping some concepts and then they put out a game and Mm -hmm. i really hope that they pick this up and refine it but i mean to our earlier point about pokemon uh (laughs) they either got a get more studios involved and ex- go the full Ubisoft basically, or they need to, uh, or they need to slow down. And the funny thing is I, I feel like the games aren't even necessarily a, a priority at Pokemon anymore. And I no, said for it's, sure. a life, mm. it's a lifestyle brand at this point. They're selling, they're busy selling perfume. Yeah. I bought a <laughs> skateboard and put it on my wall. Emron <laughs> went to the Pokemon center uh, well, Saturday in Japan, he's asleep now. So yesterday, I guess, uh, and he he has has purchased some some things. Yeah, I, I, am, I am very. I he he suggested he might find me a large foot cocoa. Yes. Aww. Um to, to spin it back around to Scarlet Violet. Scarlet Violet! I, we, yeah, I feel I feel like we talked too much about Arceus and that's on me. Um one thing I did want to ask Reb specifically, because you have played this this. Yes, game. I want to say you, nice things about it. I feel like yeah, an asshole now because I, I've only I said have, bad things. I have heard that the narrative in this game is is especially good. And like <laughs> coming off of Arceus, that was also something I loved yeah. in Arceus, was that the story in Arceus felt really cool and I liked it a lot. <laughs> And so I'm really interested to hear, like, yeah. what about yeah. is the narrative working for you? What's yeah, working it really for you? is now. Okay, again, asterisk on this. This is still a ch- children's game. Uh, this mm-hmm. is not near Automata. <laughs> like, like don't don't get don't <sighs> get don't expect wild things. But it's good. Like, it's really really solid. Um, I I think so. Okay, when I when the Game Freak was first like announcing this and was talking about the three story paths, I like sort of rolled my eyes and said okay, this is just what we had before. Like, we have this at home. Uh, there, are, <laughs> there are eight gyms in every game, and then there's also a legendary storyline, and then there's also something about team whatever, and those are all just, like, this is just the same thing. You're giving me the same dinner that I had before. Uh, not the case. Like, they they really did a lot of work. The two things that needed to be fleshed out more were the team storyline and the legendary storyline. Um, and they did a lot of work to really flesh those out by giving, like, they each have five five story points apiece, whereas the gym 
challenges eight. Uh, but they do a really good job of of interweaving characters into those. And I actually, I think, I think because they have three separate storylines, it enables them to have more interesting NPCs coming and going throughout mm. all three of them instead of just like you know a handful of characters that show up again and again and again. Uh, so there's a lot of really cool characters. Uh, it's it's a little cheesy. The team the team star Starfall Street story is is a li- is a little cheesy. Uh, Nothing but, beats Team Skull. Team Skull was the the height, right? But it, it well, it actually kind of does. It's it's not doing the same thing that the Team Skull thing did, but it's it's sort of like a little bit on that level. Like this this idea of these sort of sort of people who were forgotten by a system that should have supported them. Uh, it's the and basement kids from Three Houses. It talks yeah. about it talks about <laughs> bullying. It talks about bullying a lot. Um, and Ooh. and like like not. Not just in a don't bully people way, but in a hey, like like what are the actual effects of of being bullied, and how can that turn into you bullying other people? Like like it ends up being kind of interesting and and like a little a little deep, like a little deep for a Pokemon game. Uh, and I also, I mean, I don't want to talk about the ending because I don't want to spoil it for anybody in here. The ending of this game goes hard. That's uh, crazy to me. A Pokemon game going hard. I, I guess. No, I'm sorry. Sun and Moon went hard as hell. I, I suppose, yeah. Gen 5 went kind of hard, too. If you haven't purchased it yet, Violet is slightly better. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, mine. For That's the one I got. I can't explain why. It it doesn't truly matter. It's like a very small difference between the two. But there's something thematically that makes more sense in Violet than it does in Scarlet. And I am really glad that I ended up playing Violet now that I've seen the Scarlet storyline. Right. Uh, Counterpoint. Yeah, story's good. Story good. Professor Sada. Professor Sada, though. Counterpoint. That is- <laughs> uh, 60% of why I bought Pokemon Scarlet. I'm... Okay. <laughs> that That's it. That's all okay. I have to I'm say. I'm more daddy <laughs> science. Okay. Violet is my favorite. Daddy daddy science versus mommy cave woman. <laughs> I, wanted ma- I wanted mommy cave woman, honestly. But I was like, but I can't pass up Violet. I like the legend and the color better. So no, 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 no. I'm, the color's I'm, nice. dropping, I'm dropping a tweet into the live chat. I need you all to look at Rika. That's my girlfriend. I'm claiming her. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Okay. I love I mean, I her. Like the, I like the rival in this one. She's kind of cool in that Gen she's Z great. kind of way. Yeah. Nimona. But I love that she's so into battling. I'm like, I like you. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. all right. She she has Cammy's arm guards from Street Fighter. Like That was the first thing I noticed was like, why does she dress like Cammy? I like, like how that... she can't catch Pokemon. She's like, I keep throwing balls at them and it keeps not working. <laughs> this is really hard, guys. I actually really came around on Arvin through the story because at first he's a giant. Like, when you meet him, he's a giant asshole to Nimona. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. is your deal? But the longer I hung out with him, I was like, wait. You just don't like Nimona because she literally walks around the school just challenging everybody to battles constantly and drives you nuts. Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's great. I I think I think the main thing that worked for me and the main thing that I talked about in my review in progress is this open world structure, like this sort of promise that you mm. can go wherever you mm. want. Um, I think they actually really delivered on it, uh, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, a lot of people were talking uh, in the lead up to launch about how, oh, well, there's no level scaling and that's going to be really bad. Uh, and I, you know what? I was on that train too. And now I am not. Uh, if we had level scaling, then everything would just scale with you. And so everything would always inevitably be like just where it need, like, yeah. like where you would expect it to be. And I think the game would end up inevitably being too easy as a result. This mm. way, yeah, there are areas that I ended up over leveling for and steamrolled, and I kind of knew that was coming. But also, I was able to specifically target harder challenges for yeah. a period of time, and like really, like some of the Starfall Street battles when those cars came in, I was like, 
oh, I'm gonna, I'm done. This is gonna mow me mm-hmm. over. I, I had to like do them a couple times, and it was really fun to sort of sit there and strategize and be like, okay, which Pokemon do I need to train up before I go in here? Because this is gonna kick my ass. I like that you can send your Pokemon to beat up like weak Pokemon uh, and just kind of get that done right away. I am always up for games that let you go back and destroy the weak. Just hey, remember, <laughs> Nadia me? wants to destroy the weak. <laughs> Destroy uh, them. Flake see this. Bite his hear butt. the laments of their Pokemon driven before you. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, that means I do like a Houndoom shows. A level forty Houndoom shows up that right was at the beginning yes, of the game. Yes. I love yeah. Houndoom. It's because, my favorite dark type. That was mm-hmm. awesome. I do like the because that's when one of the things that's always bugged me about Pokemon. I used to joke, joke that it felt like Westworld, in that you were like a ten year old who goes in. And you're defeating these gangsters who are like, oh, no, a 10-year-old with a Pokemon. (laughs) I've lost. How all the Pokemon are always perfectly scaled just for you. How the NPCs are waiting for you. I think I've been waiting for that moment where a Pokemon world actually felt alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, Mm -hmm. Kenneth brings up a really good point in chat about how it it does sort of get a little confusing because you're not always sure. I mean, there's no... There's no rules about what you're supposed to be doing at a given moment, but you know, right? Like you want to be tackling things that you are capable of tackling, right? And so it is a little confusing, especially at the, like as you get the the map sort of like sends you off to the east or the west. You can pick, and then you can sort of work your way up. And the hardest stuff mm-hmm. is kind of at the top. Uh, so it does eventually sort of even out. But there were definitely points where I didn't know where I was supposed to go, and. I was okay with that. Like I got lost a lot. I I wandered into an area when I was level like 20 and saw level 45 Pokemon just wandering around. I was like, whoop, out the door. I'm not supposed Mm -hmm. to be here. Uh, But then also Nurse Joy will just tell you, hey, uh, this is kind of where you should be going next based on your level. And it, if, if you're trying to do an optimal route, you're going to be like zigzagging across the map in this very unoptimal way. Don't play it like that. Just wander around, get lost and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I'm like a noted fan of not level scaling. I love it in Fallout New Vegas where you can like go the long way to Vegas or you can just try to run through Deathclaw Valley and get murdered. (laughs) Um, And they they do some fun things with that. I love it in Xenoblade Chronicles 3 when you walk out into an open area and there's like a level 89 enemy just standing there like, hey, you want to fight me? And I'm like, kind of. I kind of do, but I can't yet. I'll be back, though. (laughs) There's an area in Xenoblade Chronicles 3 that I love where you kind of slide into it and you see monsters, humongous, like, level 90 monsters bashing each other. And you're level 30, and you're like... Lent, I said it's, in my on Twitter, like Lent's thinking, oh, that looks like a whole lot of not my effing business. <laughs> well, it's, it's good. Number one is good storytelling, like native world storytelling is being like, yes, there are areas of this world that are inherently more dangerous than others. Yes. And kind of the further you get out from established civilization, mm-hmm. the more that there are stronger Pokemon. And I love it when games do that because that's just a good way of doing it without, you know, throwing up a cutscene and being like, look at this dangerous place. Like, no, you see yeah, it in sure. the world. And that builds yeah. into that living world that we're talking about. But I understand numbers. I can understand that. Um yeah. it's yeah, it's also just effective because it does give you that little like pinpoint. You're like, ooh, I want to come back here. I want to go back and do this later. To which I will say the map I am still trying to get a handle on how the map in this game works. I don't know why, but something feels off about it. Like something feels a little goofy. I don't know if y'all have run into this. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of like there's like rotate options that feel kind of strange. And I discovered this this morning. Just push in the right stick when you open the map and it'll automatically point north. Yeah. See that? That's helpful. That is helpful. And then you could just use it like a normal person uses a map. (laughs) 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hate um, the rotating thing. I wish it would stop. It's very, it's Why very weird. Why do people do that? Does anybody use that? I hate that. No. No, I don't use it. Ugh, yeah, I'm, I'm big like, about... I have enough problems with left and right, north and south. Yeah, north is north, and north stays north. Please don't move north. Please don't move north. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> genuinely very lost for a period of time at the beginning of this game because I didn't understand that the map was rotating with me. And so I was like, wait, where the heck is Mesagosa? Like, the city. That's mm. where I orient from. Like, I have come up along... I know that I walked out of the east gate, and I came up along the side. Like, where the... Where the fuck is Mesacosa? And then I realized the map, every time I opened the map, it was like rotated towards, I think, the direction I was facing as, mm-hmm. as top. And so, yeah, don't don't mess with that. Like, hit the right stick in and just, just orient that way. For I sure. also want to say that, like, customization in this game is kind of, I hate it's to ass. say this. It's, I, I was going to say I like some parts of it. I like you have the bags and the footwear, like the accessories part of it is kind of fun. And I do like that. And I like Rotom phone cases. I love Rotom. The facial yeah. customization is really good. Like you can do like eyebrows and eye shape and, yeah. and mouth yeah. and nose, like like normal like stuff that I, other video games have been doing for a hot minute. I I have seen like predictable, you know, it, it's there's some issues with like not having a wide variety of skin tones to work with, which four. I I feel it's 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 four. I thought it was six for some reason, but maybe it's I'm four. thinking of a different game that I played recently. Yeah, so it's it's not a ton to work with, but I I really do feel like that and the school uniform stuff is rough coming off of Arceus because mm-hmm. that was one aspect of Arceus I really liked was being able to customize my avatar pretty well. Sword and Shield too had decent. Yeah. yeah. Sword and Shield had some really good customization. Yeah. My yeah. friend, my friend, my friend that I was playing with last night, Cam, I was telling him, Hey, like, like play with me tonight or whatever. And he goes, okay, but I have to get my drip in order first. And I'm like, I'm so sorry to tell you, you will not be getting your drip in <laughs> you order. You will not. No yeah. drip. It will not be happening. It's, it's a bummer because you can have accessories and you can customize the face a little bit, but then everyone still kind of looks samey just because they're all wearing one of four school uniforms. Mm-hmm. And I'm not wild about some of the school uniforms either. I no. think the the vest one, the autumn one, I was immediately like, I will never wear this in my life. I'm never wearing this <laughs> outfit, this like North face jacket with shorts. <laughs> what is this combination? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. too bad. Uh, yeah. I like the, the one with the overalls, like the, the, the strap overalls and the dress Spring, shirt and stuff. Yeah. Spring yeah that's nice. the one I've been rocking. And I think that's my favorite one so I think, far. I think winter's, winter's pretty good right. too. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. you look like a dumbass if you wear that in the desert. You look like a jabroni. <laughs> yeah, Mango, we need the shorts and hoodie gang. All right. We need just straight up like basketball shorts and a hoodie. <laughs> like that's, I feel like they need to capture that because I do love the, the plot idea of this giant university school really like a high school in the middle of the entire nation is just every once in a while is like okay kids go do stuff for a month hope you come back alive and they just loose an entire <laughs> dormitory's worth of children out into the just world them screaming running with, out with ah! their small pocket monster private armies to go cause havoc and <laughs> fight people in the streets and it's stuff like middle like gear private military corporations but with pokemon yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like a chaotic energy to the story of this that I really do enjoy of just all these kids, like all the townspeople down there in Mesagoza have got to be like, oh, God, is it treasure hunt day? And they see all these kids storming down yeah. the streets, <laughs> see, like, starting Jurassic to fight Park, the their water Pokemon and vibrating stuff. before they arrive. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that's yeah. what's always drawn people to Pokemon is that it's so sweet and it's so innocent 
but there's this hidden darkness. And if you think about it for even a hot second, you start to go into com- some kind of wild possibilities with mm-hmm. the world of Pokemon. So mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not uh, even hidden in this game. There's some yeah. grim stuff at the end. Ooh. Mm, cool. I, do, I am looking forward to I it. I do love this the This is the series stuff. that gave me the gave me the Eevee side quest and that has not been topped for yeah. me. So the Eevee side wait. quest, the, the Growlithe and Arcanine from Arceus sticks with me. That was a really good side quest there. Um, yeah. Or no, that was a main story quest. But yeah, I, I don't want to sound entirely down on Scarlet Violet. I'm, I'm absolutely like digging it as a Pokemon game and I might even like it just vibes wise a hair more than sword shield. I just really need to see it like, make good on the promise of its narrative to make mm. up for some of the technical shortcomings for myself. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I'm with you and I think like the longer that the longer that I spend with it, which is the thing, right? Like they gave me the super short review period and I think just, right. just burning through the story as fast as possible and playing it in the most intended fashion as possible, like following the roads, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, not, not, not climbing into weird like canyons to try to find items or whatever. Uh, it was it was easy to sort of ignore some of the things that that are bothering me about it. But the longer I spend with it, the more I'm like, huh, yeah, like the idea, the core. It's the same problem Arceus had. The core idea, the open world Pokemon is there. It's so good, and like I want every Pokemon game for the next several years to have this open world concept and to expound upon it and to do it better. But there's all these just like little, little things, like little things that nag at you, the customization, the fact that it's a technical mess, uh, kind of like, uh, we're so close to the idea. We're so close yeah, to the ideal. Little, little nitpicky we're, UI things. Yeah. Uh, like, like the fact that shiny Pokemon don't have a little sound on the map anymore. So you have to actually Aww. visually recognize that they're there. Uh, that's like a really small thing. Like that's not like a, a score breaker or anything. But there's there's a lot of these little tiny things that just kind of add up. Oh, the fact that you pretty much can't go into any buildings anymore. I know yeah. that some mm. people don't care about that, but it actually is weird because the the outside when you walk into a town and you look at the design of all the outsides of the towns, they're really interesting. I was wandering around uh, the electric gym town. I think it's the electric gym. It might be a different one. The other night, um, and it has this big warehouse. That by the logo on the side, it's the Deli Bird Presence uh, warehouse. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's a that's really awesome. interesting bit of world building. They're headquartered in this town. I wonder what that means. And I like walked over there and I can't go inside. There's no storyline there. There's no- nothing related to it. It's just yeah. there. And there's a lot of that's things like that that are just just there. And I, I could tell you look at them and you're like, I feel like somebody had a really good idea for something here. And then they didn't have the time or the energy mm. to expound upon it. And that really bothers me. Like there's not... The the 2D top-down games, yeah, the towns weren't huge or expansive or anything, but they always had sort of a sense of community. Like, I could tell you the story of this town because I could talk mm-hmm, to the people mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. get to know a little bit more about what that town was about, what its history was, what was going on in there. And here, everybody's just kind of, like, you can't go in the houses, uh, the buildings don't matter, and everybody just kind of has these generic throwaway lines like, oh, it's the treasure hunt again, keep on going, or did you know you can catch Pokemon with Pokeballs? Like, yeah. yeah. That's news to me. I want yeah. them to have more time. Like that that's the pure the long and short of it. They have yeah. the, they have the ideas. They know what they're doing. The monster design is still great. Like all the all the things that need to be great are there. They just need time. Would love to stop feeling like I have to put an <coughs> asterisk on my Pokemon games all the time of being like, "Oh, but, you know." Mm. Oh, but. I mean, I mean we think about talking about uh Gen Gen 5 
which by comparison is so dense and there's so much to be there and there's so so much more polished very pretty there's so much to do little things like being able to uh decorate your pokeball but then also just like determine how the pokemon looks when it actually comes out doing the poke mm-hmm. pokestar studios that kind of thing and uh sad to say um as we were discussing in the in the podcast it really does feel like it lost a little bit of the character um when it came to uh it, it lost a little bit of the character when it went to 3D because they mm-hmm. had to move to the new engines and they were really struggling with designing the new the new pokemon and the 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 pokemon count kept ballooning so that they were they were going well we can't put in too many more uh features I, I was hotly against the uh, what was it what was it called a uh, Pokemon Exit uh, whatever Dexit oh the Dexit yeah, yeah. yeah I was hotly against Dexit now I I think they should have done it earlier if yeah, anything and they should have been yeah. even more limiting because it's just plain that the game can't support all of these Pokemon anymore but uh, yeah you know um, there's there's there is a lot to love about Scarlet and Violet we're so close to hitting the ideal I remember Sword and Shield was quite rough when it initially started as well. And I'm hopeful that somebody was saying, I hope there's no DLC. They just focus on supporting the main game. I, uh, I disagree. Actually. I hope that there's uh, the DLC of sword and shield was the real highlight. Yeah. Of those good. games, uh, Isle of armor. And then the, the other one, they, they were amazing. They were so well done and they really refined the concepts that were in sword and shield and made it a much better gen than it was at launch. So, I would like I would like them to support the game and put out real good DLC. But I agree. Sure. and also add cat to your thing about Dexit. I this, I was already like fine with Dexit, but this this game specifically has absolutely convinced me that it was the right move. Uh, there is like roughly four hundred total Pokemon in this game. That's plenty. There's nowhere else for the other six hundred to be. Like. I am still, as I wander out in the world, 40 hours in, having been everywhere, still tripping over Pokemon. Like, oh, I didn't know you were in this game. Hello. Uh, and that's, that's awesome. Like, there's nowhere else for them to be. And, like, think about this for a second. The idea that in order to complete a Pokedex, you would have to transfer something upwards of 600 Pokemon from another mm-hmm, game in order mm-hmm. to complete a Pokedex. That's stupid. That is not that is not accessible. That is not reasonable for any like average person playing Pokemon to do. That is a ridiculous requirement for completion. I I feel like I will complete the Pokédex in this game. I I completed it in Sword and Shield. I didn't do the DLC completion, but I did the initial Sword and Shield, and I also completed it in Arceus. And that was fun. It was like an exciting activity and it felt like the the fantasy that we were sold originally of catch them all, collect them all. Like mm-hmm. like I can do that within the confines of this game and the rules of this game and it's fun and I feel rewarded by doing it. So Honestly, like Dexit, who cares? This is great. Do more of this. Add some more Pokemon in the DLC. Give us some space for them to be. I I know I've said this before, but I almost wonder if there just needs to be a split at this point, the way that we've talked about games like Overwatch and Call of Duty splitting off their multiplayer and their single player, that maybe Pokemon needs to start looking at some sort of Pokemon showdown type thing where you can have all your Pokemon, battle all your Pokemon, put them all together but have individual entries that are much more contained and focused yeah, on the specific Pokemon and maybe some returning people. And I know that I I see Ken typing oof in the chat. So, uh, but it's... Um, I think he's talking I, about my Eevee. Oh, he's yeah. talking about you. Okay. I was like, I have offended Ken. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, but I, I do feel like there is some appeal in, in creating your team and playing through the game with your team and all that. But 
uh i something's like push has got to come to shove later there's over a thousand pokemon in in the mm. universe now <laughs> and that's just not feasible and like you were talking about like in 2d you could kind of play with you know the imagination space of the mind and let your mind fill in some of the gaps of 2d and that was kind of the benefit but it's harder to do that in a 3d space and i think we're seeing some of that come to fruition in pokemon survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, that is our Pokemon Scarlet and Violet discussion. I'm sure there's a lot more to discuss as we continue, but now it's time for the Autumn of the Avatar. We're so far into book three, and this Ooh. week we only have two episodes. The Southern Raiders, which continues on uh, Zuko's loyalty quests, uh, this time <laughs> with Katara, and the Ember Island players. And uh, Eric, talk us through a little bit that with that one. Yeah, so uh, I know that this is a shorter week when I was segmenting out the Avatar episodes. Number one, I wanted us to have a little bit of a break heading into the finale, but also because I think these two episodes are especially interesting and worthy of being like set aside. Uh, I think the the first one, Southern Raiders, is not only a capping off, you know, a capstone for Zuko having completed his loyalty missions, he is now prepared for uh, taking on the Reapers <laughs> and yeah. uh, is, is prepared um, or the collectors. Sorry, I'm getting my mass effect wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but it's also a really good capping off point for Katara. And I love seeing the moment where Katara bloodbends the guy yeah, on the cool. ship. I was going to say we... she went full dark Jedi on that guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It was awesome. I didn't but realize she was actually going to use bloodbending on him. I mean, did she even think she was going to use bloodbending? You don't know. She was kind of going through it that episode. And I think one of the coolest parts about this episode is the ending where Zuko, like, like Zuko the whole time is like murder. Yes, let's do murder. Come on, let's go. Murder, murder, murder. <laughs> let's do murder. And at the end, he's like frustrated that Katara didn't, you know, kill the guy who killed her mother. Uh, and or, or I think believe ended up like no it was killed her mother uh they just don't show it because it's a kid show <laughs> but uh he's he's frustrated with it and and hangs like oh good katara chose right katara chose the way of light and zuko's like dude what are you gonna do when you fight my dad like how do you <laughs> think this ends do you really think you're gonna be able to talk down fire lord ozai and that is and it just ends there it does it like ang doesn't even respond he's just like oh I hadn't 
thought about that yet. And that's such a good note to end an episode on and just really let it sink in your stomach that like, oh, is this a thing like is Aang's pacifism going to have to run up against the fact that the only way he's going to be able to stop the Fire Lord is probably by killing him? Um, that episode that was is, fire, I gotta say. Uh, it's very like, good. Yeah. I, but we, can we talk about Suki and Sokka for a second here? Sokka, <laughs> Sokka knows how babies are made right here. Like Sokka's uh-huh, definitely, uh-huh. Sokka and Suki are definitely fooling around and having mm-hmm, some fun. Mm-hmm, Holy mm-hmm. cow, I did not, I was like, Wow, that's kind of a, a subtle thing when uh, Zuko shows up and Su- Suki's like, oh, uh, yeah, I was just going to go see Sokka. Bye. And then when he walks <laughs> in, and Sokka's clearly, they're clearly going to have a date and oh. maybe have a little more. But oh, I was just was like, posed whoa. Up. <laughs> also, what's up with Sokka's hair right now? Holy cow. He's uh, he, he's full like 90s uh, stoner mode at this point. He's he's trying some looks, you know. He's he's messing around. Everybody's got their Fire Nation look that they they go for to to go for something a little bit different. For some people, like Katara, it works. For others, like Sokka, you know, you tried, buddy. You did. <laughs> yeah. No. I God, I love Katara's hair this season, and mm-hmm. I do like that Katara doesn't let Zuko off the hook because yeah. he has mm-hmm. committed some pretty grave crimes. Uh, I mean, Bossing Say was count. Chaos- uh, captured, canceled. Mm-hmm. Was captured directly. Bossing <laughs> Say was canceled. Bossing Say was captured. Was canceled because of him. Bossing uh, Say's tweets were, were recovered. Stop <laughs> tweeting, Bossing Say. Earth King got canceled. Just log off, Earth King. The Dai Li are <laughs> tweeting. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's that's one really, really good like thematic narrative episode. And then we have Ember Island players, which if the beach was Avatar inverting the normal beach episode of an animated series, Ember Island players is their take on a recap episode. And yeah. what a recap episode. I love how much they poke fun at themselves throughout the entirety of now it. Now I Oof. understand why Tumblr, I always saw muscular Toph everywhere. I always saw this picture of Toph mm-hmm. as like a... Mm-hmm. A big beefy dude and i'm like i don't understand why but i'm seeing this every single day yeah i do i do think it was kind of weak how they went immediately back to like the i'm being played by a girl thing and that's kind of like ang's one comedic note the entire episode it's true but Toph being super pumped that like oh Toph was great Top is just like ah, nailed it. <laughs> like, I couldn't have cast it better myself. <laughs> and then, like when Toph's character shows up, she's like, "Hell yeah!" Mm-hmm. I love how she's talking shit about everyone through the whole production. So you think mm-hmm. like she's gonna get a, a real wiener representing mm-hmm. her, and then this big guy Toph, I scream real loud, it's like, "Oh, that's awesome!" So she didn't even get; she was vindicated the whole time. Multiple. Multiple guffaws for me, including the line, uh, I have to go and take care of moon business. <laughs> you made out with the moon? You didn't tell me. I got, I'm, I'm not even going to think of too hard about the fact that somehow they know the entire story of Avatar uh, and Aang's crew. Right like, up down, to the minute. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. up to the minute. And the fact that they know that Aang is having a will they, won't they with Katara and mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm not even going to think about that because it's pretty funny to see them just lampooning their own work through uh, the entirety of the series. It's good stuff. And then, I and of course, it has to end with, oh, but of course, the Fire Lord wins. It's the yeah, Fire Nation. Yeah, because it's Fire Nation propaganda at the end of the day. Like, the it's it's intended to be a parody of Aang and the rest of them. And I, I think that really comes through. But 
I, I do love two specific jokes. The, oh, that's the great divide, the largest crack in the earth in the entire world. <laughs> Let's <spoiler>. keep flying. <laughs> and also the, um, did Jet die? Oh, it was really unclear, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh- of the two, I think the uh, the Southern Raiders, man, that episode was packed. There was so, so much good. in there. I mean, it opens up with a a, a huge airship battle. Mm. Um, oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. And Zuko's sister is just full-on psychopath at this mm-hmm. point. She's just like, uh, her line, what was it? I'm looking forward to being an only child. She's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, wow. So big villain energy right there. Great, the great set piece. And then continuing on to, uh, I don't know, Katara's had a real dark edge to her this season, I have to mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Big darkness uh, I did her. like the fact that Aang was like, you have to forgive him. And she says, no, I don't. I'll never forgive him, but I will forgive Zuko. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's also the moment where Aang was like, Katara, like, we kissed. I thought we were, like, totally together now. And she's like... Well, uh, it's a little complicated, Aang, because we're literally at war right now, and I got a lot of stuff on my mind, and Aang goes in for the kiss, and she's like, uh, no, bye. And I'm yeah. like, ooh, big awkward. Aang going for that. It's honestly like, again, I love that Avatar lets its characters just be awkward in a be way humans, that feels very be teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Like, they... It is a moment where you're like, Aang, what are you doing? You and like a lesser, a lesser critic. <laughs> it might be like, oh, in my in my situation, I simply would have said the correct thing at the right time. But uh, yeah. I love I love that so many of their characters are allowed to be so human and fail in ways that feel like, what are you doing? But in a way that's like would keep you up night because you've made mistakes like that in your life too. And it's like, I it, it's a thing that I just continuously love about um, avatar the ember I, island I do... players uh, also hits on some of those notes because it's throwing <laughs> back a lot of their regrets at them like uh, yes ang saying <laughs> man if like i hadn't messed up like with my chakra and everything i wouldn't have accidentally closed off my limit break whoops <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do have two questions. So again, reminder for the folks at home next week is Sozin's Comet, the four part finale of Avatar the Last Airbender. We are at the end. That being said, we are not talking about Sozin's Comet on the weekly episodes. We are saving it for the book three special that will be on the Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. We are specifically waiting to talk about it for the special. Uh, That being said, I have two questions for you. Number one. How do you feel going into the finale, the end? Of, you know that the end of all things is here. What do y'all still have as kind of like lingering things that you are looking for in this finale? And where do you think it's going to go? I will start with Nadia. Oh, what I don't know. That's the whole thing. It kind of makes me wonder about what's going to happen next because it was, mm-hmm. as you said, summed up perfectly when Zuko said, well, what are you going to do when you meet my father? Because Aang has always been a very, you know, boyish uh, carefree kid even when things get serious and I think he still has his ideal that I can still be a pacifist and uh, even mm-hmm. though this is, a, this is a series where there's a lot of people who don't really die they just fall over um, it is going to come down to being pretty serious with the Fire Lord and I just want to I, I, the characters have taken a lot of interesting uh, turns in terms of their like personalities and their their uh, motives so I just want to see where it all goes. Like I didn't see like Zuko's betrayal. Like I didn't see that coming. 
So mm-hmm. the, the, the avatar is very much capable of surprising me and I want to keep being surprised basically. Kat, how about you? I want to know what's going on with Iroh. Uh, the mm. season yeah. has had yeah. a critical lack of Iroh ever since he got really swole and then broke out. I think he so, flew out like Superman. Yeah. There's a lot to resolve between Zuko and Iroh, clearly. Um, as we saw in the Ember Island players when Zuko was looking at Iroh and being like, man, I, I have a lot of regrets about what mm. was going on with that. So I think that I, I want to see stuff with Iroh. And then, honestly, uh, Toph hasn't had a lot to do this season Yeah, uh, in a way that I've found kind of unfortunate. Um, I would like to, the, the show to grow her character a bit more in, in the finale. And then, you know, get some real redemption for Zuko, I suppose. Like mm. this is it's time to time to end this. I and my second question, and I've been holding off a long time on asking this because I did not want to taint your perceptions of a first time watch. Do you feel like there's romantic chemistry between Zuko and Katara? Mm. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Cause go I will tell you, at this point in the show, the Zutara ship was flying it was sailing it was cruising at like flight speed it was incredible and especially with the southern raiders uh it is an often debated piece of avatar that like people will say that zutara is was zutara is the cannon ship actually that that or uh what was it zuko zaka yeah, Zaka. Wait, wait, Zuko and Sokka? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, did you see how, two, like... Two bros in a balloon? <laughs> did you see Sokka's look when uh, Zuko accidentally walked in on the date? Uh, big, big... Like, he was like, I, I'm i surprised, but I, I didn't expect this, but I'm feeling something right now, and I don't know what it is. Like, I think this is a really good uh, starting point. So I, I think Zaka is the correct mm-hmm. answer. Zaka, mm-hmm. Tang, Tang is <laughs> Top and Ang, nah, nah. Ang, uh, Ang doesn't get a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Sorry. Ang, it, Ang lives and it, frankly, lives that Toph's nomadic too, lifestyle. Toph's too good for a, a ship. Mm, mm, at the end mm. of the day, yeah. we're gonna have to watch Korra. But mm. uh, <laughs> Red, before we get out of the Avatar segment, uh, tell us a little bit. How do you feel about Avatar? Oh, uh, so I. I had watched it in pieces uh, years mm-hmm. and years ago and had never like, f- I, I like knew the story, but I had never fully seen it. Imran and I actually uh, rewatched it in full mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. So it's not, it's not immediately at the forefront of my mind, but I, it's, it's still somewhat fresh. Uh, and, and then we watched Korra afterwards. So I, I'm very up on, on the avatar. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic stuff. I actually, while you all were talking, I, it sounds like Nadia hasn't seen this yet, uh, but I uh, I went and and watched a certain scene from uh, the final four episodes that is uh, one of the best scenes. Mm. Uh, got a little teary eyed. Uh, oh oh yes. Got oh a little teary eyed. Oh, even now, mm, I thought of the same scene and I was like, I am gonna cry rewatching. Oh, yeah. I'm straight up going to ball like a baby yeah. rewatching this. I um, cannot wait. Oh. It's it's really good. I I your point, Eric, about uh allowing these characters to like like mess up. Uh mm-hmm. I think I think it's a very easy trap to fall in, not just to make your characters like like always say the perfect thing, but also to have them messing up in ways that don't seem reasonable, right? Like it's it's not it's not always easy to give 
to give characters faults that are things that a person would actually do uh, mm-hmm. in a certain mm-hmm. space in a certain time. And I think, I think you're right. I think Avatar is, is a very human and a very wonderfully human show. And I, mm-hmm. I do love the clash leading up to the end of, of pacifism versus sometimes you do need to fight maybe. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I think the way that it ultimately resolves that is, is, is pretty good and smart and careful and, and works yeah. for the show. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that y'all are going to finish it. It's a good show. Our, wow. mm, so I, close to the end of Avatar, the last airbender. We're going to have our book three watch, uh, our Sozin's comet watch together with Eric. And we're going to do our big book three wrap up and talk about it. Uh, very soon, end of the month. So go and uh, subscribe at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. Nadia, take us home. I figured I would talk about what it was like to kind of be in the middle of Pokemania when it first came out, and I was more or less an adult, and I was working at an amusement park, so uh, this was a kind of a weird uh, conjunction of fates. Uh, first of all, I was given as a gift to my now husband, who back then was just kind of like interested in me, he gave me a talking Pikachu. You remember the Pikachu, right? You put it on your hand, mm-hmm. it was yeah. like, Pikachu. So I was, I brought that to school like an idiot. No one knew what a Pikachu was. And my friends like, Does he, did your toy just tell me to kick a Jew? And I'm like, no, he's saying Pikachu. So she's like, I don't know Where's if I hear pit? that. Where did the pit Pikachu? be? There it is. <laughs> so eventually, yes, Pokemon got bigger and bigger. And around that summertime is when I was working at the amusement park. And of course, there was a bunch of emotional stuff. Like I remember vividly, and I had this, and I'm so sad that I, my dad accidentally threw it out. I had like, do you remember the Pokemon poster of Ash throwing the ball and it was like a, a, a purple background and it had like some Pokemon listed in the back and it said, gotta catch them all on top. I had that poster, except since it was Canada, it had gotta catch them all and under that it was in French. So, <laughs> and then I can't remember what the French expression was right now, but I just love the fact that I had that and like just that, just imagining Ash talking like, you know, Pikachu, I choose you and then having to repeat it in French because he's in Canada, Pokemon Canada or whatever. And then you guys were doing the poker rap earlier, and one of the songs they used to play when I was working at, at this amusement park, and it was like the kitty area, so they played like a lot of kitty songs. Um, I was listening to the song while walking to my next destination with my friend, a uh, Jamaican guy named Kamar, and he started saying how, oh man, I know what the hypest Pokemon would be if you had a Pokemon named Jerkoff Sword. That is the hypest Pokemon ever. And this is in the middle of a, a park, kids everywhere, talking Jerkoff Sword really loud. And I also got like this really strange picture once of like just a kind of a wooden this wooden painting of Pokemon that I, again is another thing I lost but it was just one of those it was a really weird time for Pokemon merch because it was so so much of the like counterfeit junk was coming in on top of the stuff that was legit and it took a while for the legit stuff to come in and so I had a I had a Dragonite that could uh, shoot BBs. And I don't think that was really like the kind of thing you would that would be approved in most Western countries. But here I am. And it says like, of course, on the on the box, do not aim for your eye. It's like, oh, shit, I was going to take my eye out with this Dragonite. But all right, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was just I, you guys. You guys had those little Pokemon beanies, right? That you got at KFC. Uh, no, do you remember I never those? had any of those. I don't, I don't think I ever got one of those. No, because that my, was one my... of the. 
big first huge promotions was they were giving out these little tiny Pokemon beanies. One was a Vulpix, one was a Dragonite, sorry, a Dragon, uh, a Dratini. Mm. And I can't remember what the other two were, but in Canada, for some reason, they were given out by Shoppers Drug Mart, which is a drugstore and not KFC. I don't understand, mm. but uh, there was a seal as well. I got a seal. So it was just oh. a really interesting time because I knew from the start when I was when I saw what Pokemon was and it was being previewed in, in Nintendo Power when there was nothing to play on Nintendo except waiting for like the next gray and brown game and maybe some Game Boy game. And I saw Pokemon because I really pushed Pokemon hard. I said, this is going to be huge. This is going to be monstrously huge. So I got ahead of the curve and I started to pick out my starter and I did this and I did that. And as soon as the wave came in, I was riding it, baby. I was going around with like a little Pikachu charm and all the kids saying, that's a Pikachu. And I'm like, you're damn right it's a Pikachu. So... <laughs> Just one of those once in a lifetime events that'll never happen again. It was God. Trendsetter Nadia Oxford. She saw the mm-hmm. Pokemon mm-hmm. before. She saw the Pokemon Wars. I, I, been, I, you should have invested in all the Pokemon cards, though. Then you'd be rich. You wouldn't even have to. I, that was a, that was my blind spot. I never did yeah. anything with Pokemon cards. Wow. Never. Should have got Pokemon that hollow foil Charizard. Oh, you'd be rich. I, I, I could be living on a beach right now, being served by love discs. I so, kept my Beanie Babies and didn't keep my Pokemon cards. Ah. Oh. Eric, Eric. Yeah. You'd be like that that couple, that the picture of the couple who's divorcing and they're picking through the Beanie Babies to decide who gets what. It's crazy. That's sad. Yeah. That's very sad. And on that note. Can you note, imagine? Yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. I have to say, can you imagine? What if, what if people were divorcing and they had to choose their Pokemon? Like, that would be just savage. There's got to be a Pokemon <gasps> oh, story who, about who that. Who gets the Pikachu? Who gets the Pikachu? <laughs> and Pokemon would do that kind of story. It's, it's not a I mindset I caught this Pikachu. Days. Well, I raised it. <laughs> There's a story in Sun and Moon where, like, a, a, a woman died in a car crash and left behind her Machamp. And the Machamp was traumatized. He <laughs> wouldn't go back to his Pokeball because she had kind of stuffed it in his Pokeball just before they crashed. So now it's traumatized. It won't go back in the Pokeball. Because it has PD, PTSD. You, you have some great fodder Wait, here with the divorce story and what? Pokemon. What do you mean what? I tell you all sun and moon goes hard. No one listens to me. Nadia's like, no, no, we can't end the episode. I, I'm, she's reaching out. She's like, I got to drag you Pulling into the pit. the wheel to the no. right. <laughs> We're going to this pit and you're going to deal with it. Uh, Pokemon's pretty great. That's, Nadia, that's the main just. Nadia Oxford wants more death in Pokemon. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. Car she crashes, going insane slowly while your Jolteon go dies beside you. Like, come on, this is good stuff. I this morning I was uh, running around the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet world, and there was an outbreak of Swablu, and I thought, great, I'm gonna get, a, I'm gonna see if I can get a shiny Swablu out of this. So I was going around using the auto battle to just sort of decimate Pokemon after Pokemon, and it felt like, uh, it felt like big murder energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's just a herd of just normal pokemon hanging out running around and you're just like i'm going to kill them all and ruin the ecosystem so i can get two more levels yeah felt bad and on that note that's the end <laughs> of this week's episode of axe of the blood god thank you all so much for listening and thank you so much to reb for joining us on this show reb what are you, what are you working on over at your site, IGN.com these days. <laughs> little, little site. Uh, well, my full review of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, incidentally. I'm taking the weekend to play around with the online mode and, you know, see what's how that's working. Uh, answer about as well as the rest of the game. Uh, and after that, I, I should early next week have a full scored review of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet up on IGN.com. Uh, so you can you can find that and all my work at IGN.com slash person slash Duck Valentine. And Duck Valentine's also my Twitter handle. 
Very exciting. Yeah. And if you enjoy the podcast, once again, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter for as long as it lasts at the underscore Capot. Nani's at Nani Oxford. Eric is at CMOSI. S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. People keep telling me to join Mastodon, but I just don't understand this thing. We need a No, real... it doesn't make sense. It's fine. It doesn't you don't understand like it. It's okay. It's like, divor- it's like Discord divorce. It's like Discord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm divorcing Twitter. It's like Discord, only more confusing, which is actually yeah, kind of what amazing. We need. Yeah, just, just what we more need. confusing Discord. Wonderful. I well, am I'm on pa- co-host as Nadia Oxford, just putting that out there. Yeah, I'm on co-host as Cat Bailey, though. I haven't really been using um, yeah. that that handle yet. Maybe I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see where all of this goes. But okay. uh, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod for all of our bonus content. We'll be back. Uh, well, we're heading to the post show now, actually, with the Stars of Destiny, Blood God After Dark. Go check that out if you are in the Stars of Destiny tier. In the meantime, we'll be back next week as always. But for Nadia, Eric, Rebecca, and myself, thanks for listening and happy adventuring. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.